It's been my habit uh, each year at the beginning of the year to seek the Lord for a word for the church, not only for this church, but for the church as a whole, kind of like, you know, what's the tenor of the Holy Spirit? What's, what's on his heart for this year? And I did that, and the Lord gave me a word. And I'll be sharing it actually also in Ohio in about two or three weeks at a church that I really feel close to, and and it'll be a continuing thing. But as I sought the Lord, I felt like the Lord said, ye have need of endurance. Endurance. Ye have need of endurance. That it's going to be a year for the need of endurance. And, And I sought him for a more clear word, and I felt like this is what he said. This is going to be a year of conflict and warfare, but also a year of victory. And I wrote down later where victory comes through endurance. That's where it comes. And I actually wrote a booklet, and I was looking at the date. It's like 16 years old. It was written in 1995, and the title was, You Have Need of Endurance. So I immediately thought of that. But actually, we're going to go in some different directions. So that's a little bit different. A year for the need of endurance. My wife and I, at the end of the year, went to Kansas City to the One Thing Conference. Our son Jacob is involved with uh, Believer's Fellowship and a uh, ministry called The Burn, where they do these 24, 48-hour, 72-hour worship sessions. He's been to Israel twice. They do it on the Mount of Olives. I mean, it's really pretty exciting stuff. And uh, we, he invited us to go to this conference, and I was interested because I wanted to find out what he was involved with. I'd heard various things. So uh, this conference, one thing, is a youth conference. It's mainly worship. It's a worship conference, a worship event. And uh, it's overseen by a prophetic brother named Lou Ingalls. It's hosted by International House of Prayer with Mike Bickle. And, of course, you know, Jenny Mange, one of our missionaries, is actually on staff there at uh, IHOP. And um, so we called her, and she has a hospitality bedroom, so we stayed with Jenny. So it was really great. We got to spend time with Jenny. We got to participate in this. And actually, it was, it was incredibly exciting. It was 28,000 young people. I got pictures on my iPhone from the front and the back. It was just overwhelming. 28,000. They said there was 35,000 who streamed it on the internet. I got a call from a friend of mine, Tony Rabarczyk, who is the CIS director for ICI Global University with the Assemblies of God. And I told him where I was, and he said, boy, you can't hardly find fault with 28,000 young people coming together to worship the Lord. I mean, it was just incredible. Very powerful. Uh, There was teaching I found that most of the teaching was biblically solid. I did find find issues with some things. Another thing that was very encouraging was there was a total lack of any, what I would call, aberrant spiritual manifestations. It was just kids worshiping the Lord. It was very good. It wasn't distracting. Everybody was just entering in and worshiping the Lord. So for me, it was a good experience. The Lord really touched me during that time actually gave me an opportunity, and and it was a burden on my heart. I just started weeping. The presence of God came in, and everybody else is worshiping, and I'm weeping, and I'm just praying for my kids. I mean, you're standing in the middle of 28,000 kids. I have seven kids in various uh, struggles in their lives, and I spent like 
you know, half an hour just weeping and interceding for my children. So for me, it was cathartic. It was a, it was a great, it was a good time. We had a good time with Ginny, and Ginny's doing well. But uh, one of the things that came out was that they have a theology. Uh, this movement has a theology that espouses that they are to reestablish spiritually the tabernacle of David which would include 24-hour worship and prayer to usher in the second coming of the Lord. Now, that sounds spiritual, it sounds good, but I have a problem with that, you know, just kind of being a last days person. And I think uh, the biggest issue with me, and we'll turn there, is Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. Matthew 24. Verse 3. Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? This is so clear. What will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. And I've taught on this before and just taken off on that first thing. What's the first thing comes into Jesus' mind? Deception is going to be a sign of the end times, of the time before the coming of the Lord. And then he goes in, For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For a nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines, pestilence, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. I received an email recently, and I, I, I looked these things over. I don't let them trouble me too much, but it had basically a list uh, within a very short period of time of how many earthquakes we've had and what has been the, you know, the magnitude of the earthquake. It's amazing. I mean, it, it is really coming to pass. Clearly, these things are coming to pass. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. You will be hated by all nations for my name's sake, and then many will be offended. will betray one another, will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. These are the signs of the end times. This is what will take place before the coming of the Lord. And because lawless will, lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. And then it says, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. He who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. Two things distinctly. One that is a precondition to his coming. This gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, then the end will come. And then this other condition, which is he who endures to the end will be saved. And it just doesn't sound like what I heard before when I mentioned this particular uh, theology. This is the reality of the coming of the Lord. And this is what we're entering into. This is what we're entering into. In 2 Timothy 2.11, 2 Timothy 2.11, this is a faithful saying, 
For if we died with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. Endurance seems to be the most necessary quality of the Christian life. The most necessary quality. It goes right along. A lot of times you'll see endurance and faithfulness. The most necessary quality of the Christian life. So although this theology of the restoring of the tabernacle of David sounds good and spiritual, it is not accurate in regard to the context of Scripture. Now, having said that, I would also say that God wants to restore worship and prayer to the church, both corporately and individually in these last days. It is an emphasis. I believe that. They're tapping an emphasis. But it's not an end to itself. One of the things I saw there and I've seen is that people get caught up in that and distracted from what I would consider the emphasis, which is the Great Commission and so on and so forth. It's part of the picture, but it's not the whole picture. And I think that's the temptation. That's the temptation. So I believe God is trying to restore that. And we are each individual, and I was talking to my son Jacob about this, and he really caught it, which was good. We are each individually temples of the Lord. Look at 1 Corinthians 3.16. 1 Corinthians 3.16. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Again, 1 Corinthians 6.19. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? So what I saw here is we are the temple. We are the tabernacle of David. It is not a place. It is not a certain group. And and we tend to fall into these things. It's it's natural. It's natural. Hey, 34 years I've been in this. I mean, it's natural. I'm not taken aback by it. Usually every time God brings the truth... It's overemphasized, you know, it's the thing and so on and so forth. You're not part of it. You're not part of what God's doing in 34 years, okay? But what God wants to do is he wants to establish unceasing prayer and worship in our lives, in the temple, in the tabernacle. He wants to establish that. Now, I thought about that. Can we actually do it? No, but we should try. (laughs) But we should try. You know, I was thinking about, you know, when it comes to my, oh, yeah, right, you know, and you worship the Lord. You're in the car, and your mind's going here and there, and all of a sudden, oh, yeah, unceasing prayer, and you start praying, and you worship the Lord, okay? It's a habit that we need to enact. Actually, this is one of the things that will be mentioned that gives us strength for endurance. It's one of the keys to being able to endure, is, is being in a spirit of worship and a spirit of prayer. Why? For the end result, to accomplish the work of the Lord before he returns. So I believe this is a timely word. It's just not in the context of Scripture. People tend to try to coin phrases and things to try to bring an emphasis, and I think that's what's happened. But all in all, it was was really, it was really, it was a good experience. It was a good experience, and I pray God use it. It's really helped my son Jacob. I saw a number of other young people they were, it was so cool, you know. Between sessions, there was groups of young people. They're eating pizza. They got their Bibles open. They're talking about the Word of God. I mean, come on. It was just 38, let's see, 28, 28,000. Just amazing. 
Okay, what is the Greek meaning of this word endure in Matthew 24? Hupomaneo. Is that good enough, Jim? Good try. <laughs> to stay behind. This is good. Listen, to stay behind, to remain. I like that. To remain, to bear trials, to have fortitude, to persevere. Uh, the English definition, the act or capacity of bearing up as under hardship and prolonged stress. Now, I can relate to that. Bearing up under prolonged stress. To endure is to continue to be and to last. You know, I've had times where I've just been, you know, I don't know if this is good theology, but there's times when the devil is just on me so hard, and I just, I say, look, I don't care what you do. I'm not going nowhere. I am here. You know? I mean, I've even said things like George Bush said, bring it on. I remember one time I said to the devil, I said, I said, do your worst. I'm not going anywhere. You know, knowing full well he's going to anyway, you know. But really, that's, that's what we have to have. To endure and to continue to be, to last. I think of Ephesians 6.13. Ephesians 6.13. <clears throat> Take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. I never saw the movie Last Man Standing, but it's a great title. <laughs> I want to be the last man standing. You know, that's my commitment. What are some synonyms for endurance? And these are used throughout Scripture. Patience, perseverance, fortitude, persistence, tenacity. Tenacity, I call tenacity godly stubbornness. Tenacity. To put it simply, you just refuse to quit. You refuse to quit. One of George Mueller's biographers stated that his success in prayer could be summarized in four powerful words. He did not quit. And, and a lot of this might have to do with perseverance in prayer, but he did not quit. He had prayed for a man's salvation for 63 years, and the man gave his life to the Lord at Mueller's gravesite. One unanswered prayer, and he gave his life to the Lord at Mueller's gravesite. The Word of God clearly speaks about perseverance. 2 Peter 1, 5 through 9. 2 Peter 1, 5 through 9. These are some of the qualities that are encouraged to be in our lives. Giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance. To perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. And then it says this, For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. These qualities. Hebrews 10, 35 through 39. Hebrews 10, 35 through 39. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that after you've done the will of God, you may receive the promise. For yet a little while, he who is coming will come and will not tarry, 
This really speaking about waiting upon the Lord and trusting him. He will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. I'm glad he ended this last line. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. Believe and endure to the saving of the soul. We hold fast, we don't quit, and we endure to the end. Amen? We endure to the end. You win the race by finishing it. Isn't that great? You're not competing with each other. You win the race by finishing it. Hebrews 12, 1 through 2. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking on to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Run the race with endurance. Uh, here's an illustration that uh, exhibits uh, extreme perseverance. It's called Observe the Ant. It's from a book called The King's Business. Observe the ant. The great oriental conqueror, Tamerlane, told his friends. In relating a story from his early life, he said, I was once forced to take shelter from my enemies in a dilapidated building where I sat alone for many hours. Wishing to divert my mind from my hopeless situation, I fixed my eyes on an ant carrying a kernel of corn larger than itself up a high wall. I counted its attempts to accomplish this feat. The corn fell 69 times to the ground, but the insect persevered. The 70th time it reached the top. The ant's accomplishment gave me courage for the moment, and I never forgot the lesson. Amazing. In Revelations, in Revelation, the word patient endurance is spoken three times. Once in regard to our mutual experience as Christians, Revelations 1, 9. Revelations 1, verse 9. I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus. He's saying he's our companion in the common issue of suffering and through patient endurance that is in Jesus. Then in Revelations 13.10, it talks about a regard to persecution in the last days, the area exactly where we read in 24. And it says, this calls for patient endurance and faithfulness on the part of the saints. And finally, and, and we find this is true even in our own lives, finally, in regard to obedience to God under extreme circumstances, Revelations 14.12 Revelations 14, 12. For this calls for patient endurance on the part of the saints who obey God's commandments and remain faithful to Jesus. It's going to take endurance to remain faithful and to remain in obedience to the commandments of God. You know, everything's getting stronger and stronger against us in regard to being obedient to God. I was with a special forces uh, 
uh, one of the guys that knows my son. I, I try to meet with these guys regularly when I'm in the area. And uh, I had a really strong word for him. And I told him, I said, you know, I see you in a rapid-moving stream, and you're just going with the flow. And I said, God says, stand up, turn around, and walk against the current. It was like I was in his face. Get up and walk against, they like that, and walk against the current. He goes, I, I really needed that, <laughs> you know. And he took heart. You know, you're in the army, you're hanging around with the guys, you know. You're not being really bad, but you're not being good. You know, he needed to hear that. He needed to hear that. I've had a great opportunity this last time. Uh, I think I asked for a prayer about this. I went to visit my son for my grandson's first birthday. And I asked Josh to set up a meeting with these guys and their wives. And there was about um, three or four, I think it was four or four guys. Three of them were married and my son. And I gave a teaching on abiding in the presence of the Lord. And it was really, it was really, really excellent. And afterwards, uh, different ones asked for prayer. One woman in particular, in regard to her unsaved family, we prayed concertedly for her. I mean, this is just, I, you know, I love hanging with Jim. Grinnell, you need to go with me sometime. These guys, I love hanging around with these guys. You know, these guys are so quiet. You know, they're just like, you know, very unassuming, very quiet. And then you tap them, you know. There's this one, you tap him, and he goes, oh, yeah, then I was in the Humvee, and it got hit by a, a, an RPG, flipped over. The first sergeant was thrown out. I climbed out of the Humvees, tried to get away for it before it blew up, realized I didn't have my weapon. Climbed back in, grabbed my weapon. It blew up. The first sergeant, he's crawling on all fours. And I'm going, oh, my God, I take this stuff. You know, and a minute before he was going, yes, that's nice. I mean, these guys, you know. But, you know, hanging around with these guys, I really enjoy some of their slogans. You know, and I've, I've shared some of these with you, but I really enjoy some of their slogans. And I really think some of these are biblical. I was going to do a teaching, and I think I may do that sometime. My son gave me a thing on the Ranger Code. It's like 10 things, and every one of them is like biblical. You know, one of them is leave no man behind, you know, all this stuff. Someday I'll do that. But anyway, these sayings, okay, here's one. Pain is weakness leaving the body. You like that? Pain is weakness leaving the body. Okay, here's, here's one of my favorites. What doesn't kill you will make you stronger. That's a ranger thing. What doesn't kill you will make you stronger. Okay, is that biblical? Think about that. I thought about that. Huh? What's the truth in these sayings? James 1, 2 through 5. James 1, 2 through 5. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. What doesn't kill you will make you stronger, if, if you let it. If you let it, it will make you stronger. Here's a quote from uh, Streams in the Desert by uh, L.B. Kalman. And actually, this was sent to me by uh, Tanya. I was going through some things, and she said, I think I got something for you, and she sent it to me. And it says this, It is commonly thought that a protected and easy life is the best way to live. Yet the lives of all the noblest and strongest people prove exactly the opposite, and that endurance of hardship is the making of a person. It is the factor that distinguishes between merely existing and living a vigorous life. 
Ooh, that's good. Hardship builds character. Hardship builds character. Endurance is a necessary quality in the life of a victorious Christian. Look at uh, 1 Samuel 30. 1 Samuel 30, 1 through 6. And this is the story of David and their refuge at Ziglag. 1 Samuel 30. They would basically go out on raids and come back. It's kind of a sounds like it was probably kind of a hidden place. 1 Samuel 30. And it came to pass when David and his men were coming to Ziglag, they were returning, on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south, and Ziglag had invaded the south and Ziglag and smitten Ziglag and burned it with fire, and had taken the women captives. And that there and were therein, they slew not any, either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city, and they had just come from victories, great raids, they were pumped up. They came back to the city, and behold, it was burned with fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captive. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept, until there was no more power to weep. Until there was no more power to weep. And then it goes on down and it says, And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him. These were his mighty men, his loyal mighty men. They were speaking of stoning him. Because the soul of all the people were grieved, any man, every man for his sons and for his daughters. And then it says this very simple statement. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. But David encouraged himself in the Lord, his God. Uh, one other version, uh, New King James says, David strengthened himself in the Lord, his God. And I saw David, you know, turning from all these people and just turning and what? Pressing into God. What do you think David did to strengthen himself to endure this tragedy? We don't know, but what do you think he did? Think about it. What do you think he did? He rehearsed the good things of God. You know? It's like talking to your soul. Don't you remember Goliath? You know? And before that, the bear and the lion. And, and, the, and the great works of the Lord. Look, we just came back from a victory. I mean, he's arguing with himself. He's speaking to his soul. He's speaking to God. He probably quoted scripture from the books of Moses. He quoted scripture. The goodness of God. How God, how God did this and God did that. He's... He's, he's encouraging himself in the Lord. I think he prayed. I think what he did was in Psalms, which shows what he did, which is that he magnified the Lord. He worshipped and magnified the Lord. He made the Lord bigger than his circumstance. Where his circumstance was here, and the Lord was bigger. That's what, you know, we think about magnifying the Lord. That's practical. You magnify the Lord. You make him bigger. I believe that's what he did. We don't know. But I believe that's what he did. 2 Corinthians 1, 8, 1, uh, 8 through 9. 
I'm trying to think, okay, one other thing, just if you read this story, it's fantastic. God turns, turns the thing totally around, tells him to go out, he's going to give them all back. I mean, it, I, I don't know if that was in response to what David did or just the goodness of God, but the end of the story is fantastic. Second Corinthians chapter 1, starting with verse 8. We were under great pressure. I could relate this to David. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despised even of life. We were beyond our ability to endure, even despairing of life. Indeed, our hearts, we felt the sentence of death. But this happened, that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. On God who raises the dead. And, and many of us in different circumstances have, have experienced that. That's the reality. That was what David was facing. This happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. David cast himself upon the Lord, and the Lord strengthened him. It's the only way we're going to get through these days. It's the only way we're going to get through these days. And to have the endurance that we need. It isn't a thing of just bucking up in your own strength and making it through. It's drawing on the Lord in his strength and making it through. Isaiah 40, verse 28 through 31. Isaiah 40, 28 through 31. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. And they shall mount up with wings like eagles. And they shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. We need to wait upon and lean into the Lord and draw our strength from God. Colossians 1.11. Colossians 1.11 being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that we may have great endurance and patience. Let me read that again. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that we might have endurance and patience. That strength and endurance comes from the Lord by his spirit. I always try to uh, make my teachings practical. Okay, what can we do to strengthen ourselves in the Lord to endure in these days? The first one we mentioned with David, we also mentioned it in the emphasis uh, that is going on in regard to these one thing conferences. Prayer and worship. Prayer and worship. Essential. In Jude 20, 21, in Jude 20, 21, it says, But you, dear friends, Build yourselves up on your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love, in God's love, as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life, to endure, to endure unto that time of eternal life. When we spend time in prayer before the Lord, we are built up in our faith. What does it mean to pray in the Holy Spirit? Romans 8, 26. Romans 8, 26. Now he who searches the hearts and knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. To pray in the Holy Spirit is to pray according 
to the will of God, to pray according to the will of God, either in an unknown tongue or in a known language, but to pray in the Spirit. Psalm 100, 4 through 5. Psalm 100, 4 through 5. And there are many such verses in the Psalms. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. And this needs to be rehearsed when every circumstance in life calls this a lie and opposes it. And it's true. The reality of God is not based upon our circumstances. This is true, regardless. Magnify him, that he's bigger than that circumstance. Okay? Entertain the presence of the Lord through praise and worship. To spend time daily, even moment by moment, praying, giving thanks to the Lord. And I shared this before, you know, in a group, 28,000 young people, it wasn't hard to worship. Come on, you know. But alone in your room, you know, it's hard to worship. You go to worship and the devil comes, what are you doing? You know, you're a phony. You know, you, you, don't, you don't hardly ever do this. <laughs> yeah, come on, come on. You don't hardly ever do this. And I'm going, that doesn't matter, I'm doing it now. You know, <laughs> worshiping the Lord, you know. It's just not natural. To pray for me is natural, but just to worship, to enter in and push and worship. When you're in a group, it's cool, but you know, you're by yourself and all these things, your mind, everything. We need to do this as individuals. For, and for some reason, I don't know why, but when you're driving in a car, it's easier. I don't know why that is, but we need to do that, okay? Consistent prayer and worship throughout the day will help give you strength to endure, all right? Number two, the ministry of the Word of God. The ministry of the Word of God. And you can quote Scripture to yourself. And I'm getting more and more on this thing about Scripture memory. You know, it kind of comes and go with, goes with me seasonally, you know. Uh, scripture memory. 1 Corinthians 14.3 talks about prophecy. And it says, Anyone who prophesies speaks to men for their strengthening, their encouragement, and comfort. Then in 2 Peter... 119 through 21, 2 Peter 119 through 21, it talks about the Word of God. We have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart, knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. This is a sure word of prophecy. Prophecy confirmed. You want a prophecy? Read the word of God. Read the word of God and let it speak to you. And, and maybe I would say, you know, if it's not speaking, keep reading until it does speak to you. Don't quit. Just keep reading. You know, I'll read, 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 read. You know, and you're going, you got to. You just keep reading, Okay. Scripture is a sure and proven word of prophecy, and according to the Scripture, it will strengthen, encourage, and comfort you. 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. I am a word guy. 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. I think the NIV actually says, is God breathed. This comes right out and says it, you know. God breathed. 
and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped, thoroughly equipped for every good work. I've got a booklet called uh, The Armor of God, and in there I can reflect back to the fact that each piece of that armor actually ties directly to the ministry of the Word of God, to a different area of our being. That the armor itself is, is uh, composed of the ministry of the Word of God. It equips us for the battle. This is really good. Romans 15.4. Romans 15.4 just pulls it in. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and encouragement of Scripture, we might have hope. We might have hope. The ministry of the Word of God. And finally, and this is the one I really felt the Lord wanted to drive home to us, and I think maybe that's why the Lord had me share that at the very beginning as a personal testimony to me, how truly I, I have to say, I mean, Jesus is our salvation, but it was Jesus in this church. I mean, I just look forward to Sunday so I could touch the Lord, you know? I mean, really, my salvation is totally wrapped up uh, in this church. Romans 1, 11 through 12. Fellowship is number three. I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. That's the reality of fellowship. It was Paul saying, you know, I need that. I need that. I, I, I just want to, you know, I want to come to you to minister the great power of God that God has given me. He says, I want to come to you that we might mutually be encouraged, that I might get something out of it as well. Romans 15.32. Romans 15.32. By God's will that I may come to you with joy and together with you be refreshed. Be refreshed. We are refreshed. We are renewed in fellowship. We are encouraged. We are strengthened. Matthew 18.20. Matthew 18.20 says, Where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Fellowship is two or three gathered in Jesus' name. In this place of fellowship, Jesus comes. And where Jesus is, we are strengthened and we are encouraged. We are strengthened and we are encouraged. It's almost osmosis. You know, it's just the Lord comes and we just, we bathe in that. And God ministers to us. Sometimes he speaks to us. And I know during worship, you know, during worship, I'll just kind of back up into the Lord. And uh, I, was, I was talking to Jim about this, you know. When the presence of God comes, he gives me things. Okay, I used to write them down. Now I have an iPhone, and it's got notes. I put everything in my iPhone. I said, Jim, I'm not texting during your message. He said, I was wondering about that. <laughs> you know, I said, I'm taking notes. I'm taking notes. I'll show you. I got notes. Okay. So uh, where was I? The Lord comes in. He speaks to you. Write it down. I mean, it used to be basically I'd be worshiping the Lord, and I'd go, and I'd grab something, and I'd start writing like crazy, you know. Okay, because God comes in to minister to you. It's a place where you are strengthened and encouraged. Finally, look at Hebrews 10, 23. Hebrews 10, 23. And this is an exhortation. 
and I think very, very clear exhortation. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another so much more as you see the day approaching. What I see here is, as you see the day approaching, it will become the manner of some to not assemble together. For good reasons, but not good enough. We need to choose the best. We need to choose the best. One thing I learned from my father, uh, my father actually uh, received the Lord, got saved in this church. And, uh, but he had been a Christian, you know, like all his life, right? But he hadn't been saved. His understanding of being a Christian was the church doors are open, you're there. I never saw a man more committed to the church than my dad. Incredible. But there's a reality to that spiritually. We're hungry. We want to be there. House church. I want to encourage you, if you're not in a house church, get into a house church. Find the way to do it. Of course, you work nights or something, you know. Find a way to get into that kind of fellowship and be committed. Be there. Don't let the devil give you excuses for not being there. It's very easy. You know, I'm tired and this kid and I was supposed to do this and reschedule it. Be there. Be committed. Okay? I was thinking about our our Wednesday night meeting. That Wednesday night meeting has gone on unabated since 1972. Unabated. Has its ups and downs, you know used to be that when the church canceled in the summer, we wouldn't even cancel. We're getting old. We canceled this time. I think we, we didn't meet in August, you know. Usually it was like, no, they can cancel. We're going to keep on meeting. <laughs> you know? But anyway, so. But uh, this will become the manner of some. It'll become a pattern. Listen in the Amplified Bible. I love this. Uh, in the Amplified Bible where it kind of expands it, brings in the Greek, translate, just expands it. Listen. So let us seize and hold fast and retain without wavering the hope we cherish and confess and our acknowledgement of it. For he who promised is reliable, sure, and faithful to his word. And let us consider and give attentive, continuous care to watching over one another. I'm going to read that again. Let us consider and give attentive, continuous care to watching over one another studying how we may stir up, stimulate, and incite to love and helpful deeds and noble activities, not forsaking or neglecting to assemble together as believers, as is the habit of some people, but admonishing, warning, urging, and encouraging one another, and all the more faithfully as you see the day approaching. Stress, travail. Oppression, warfare, conflict. This is going to be the sign of these last days. The need for endurance. The need for being in worship and prayer. The need for being in the ministry of the word. The need for diving into and finding refuge in the fellowship of the saints. Amen? More so as you see the day approaching. Because as you see the day approaching, the enemy is going to come in and try to convince you to have the habit as the manner of some is, of not assembling together. More so. More so. We are encouraged and exhorted 
We are to encourage and exhort one another to fellowship together, even more as the day of the Lord draws near. We need to look for more opportunities. My daughter came to me and said that the Lord laid a burden on her about having a more consistent prayer time, you know, like blocks, you know, we might not do. We really enjoyed and participated in 24-hour prayer, that thing where different churches were doing that, and talking about having a time where we could have more of a length of concerted prayer, each person taking prayer. We're talking about these things. And, you know, first thing I thought of was another meeting. But, you know, that's what we did. Really, we, 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 this, this is life. This is life and encouragement and strength, fellowship. It builds up and strengthens us that we might endure in time of need. This is going to be a year of conflict and warfare, but also as we endure a year of victory, a year for the need of endurance. Endurance brings victory. We can prepare and strengthen ourselves in the Lord through prayer and worship, through the ministry of God's word, and through fellowship. Amen? Amen. Let's stand. Lord, we, we thank you for your word. I know that when I feel just empty at times, that you've told me that the word alone, read, would minister your grace and your power. We have heard a lot of the word of God, much less my comments on it. So, Lord, I just pray that you minister to our hearts. And you bring change. And you bring life. Radical change. Radical change in perspective, uh, establishing of certain habits. I know that one of the things that I continually repent of is just lack of discipline. All my life I've struggled with that. So God, help us in Jesus' name to endure to the end. And this issue of fellowship, and the reality of it, that it's not a legalistic thing. It, it's, it's something that God has ordained. God has ordained to bring strength and, and relationship and fellowship and strength and, and anointing and your ministry, the ministry of your Holy Spirit. So, Lord, let us get a grip on these things in Jesus' name. And, Lord, bring this word to mind as we have need of it. Amen.